Welcome back to the Drum Network Podcast. I'm the editor of the Drum Network, Chris Sutcliffe. When we put out a brief for a live events podcast looking at the future of events, particularly around hybrid, we weren't expecting the response we got. We knew that it's so integral to so many of your businesses, but we also didn't expect that so many of you would feel so emotively and so strongly about the future of events, particularly around the potential for hybrid. So we've had to split this episode up into two or three different parts, which are going to go out over the next month, just because of the sheer volume of expertise which you all volunteered. This first episode is going to provide context for what hybrid actually is and a look at what people have been doing with it over the course of the pandemic. To begin with, we're going to be hearing from Sophie Binskin-Barnes, who is an account director at Verve. I began by asking her to take us through a quick tour of her own journey through the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the events industry now for just over seven years. Um, I was a bit late to the game. Um, I'm now 33, so I didn't quite start straight out of uni, but wanted to get some kind of real world experience, let's say, before I kind of came into this industry. Um, And my kind of main bread and butter is very much live events from kind of all aspects. You know, I've looked after everything from music sponsorship, sports sponsorship, uh, trade shows, conferences, now very much kind of virtual and hybrid, getting into the kind of hybrid world, Um, product and media launches, um, you know, I miss the festival fields, I have to say, (laughs) uh, I do miss getting muddy in the late nights and the, you know, there is a a real energy about it that you just can't get anywhere else um, Mm. and you can't quite get from virtual, but yeah, I've been with Verve now for three years in April um, and Verve are a a live event agency, we've got a big base in Dublin and then also um, in London um, and we do everything live events. Um, nice. Anything under the sun, really. <laughs> Very nice. It might almost be worth shipping out, you know, buckets of mud to people when you do these live events, just so they can really experience that again. I think so. I think that's where we might have to go with hybrid, you know, making <laughs> sure that um, we're saying, we've been sending a lot of kind of gift boxes and things like that when we do these virtual events to make sure people are really experiencing it still how, how we want from a kind of brand perspective. And then uh, I think buckets of mud and, and wellies <laughs> might be a good way to go for these no, summer, exactly, summer yeah. events. No, definitely. And before we get into sort of what's happened over the past year, over those seven years then, what have been some of the prevailing trends that you've seen? Are we expecting, or rather are consumers expecting more professionalism from live events or that is there still that huge variety of, you know, kind of lo-fi, very cheap and cheerful events up to very, very pro events? Um, I think there's there's a, a level of both. I think people just want to get stuck back in. You know, like mm. I said about the whole wellies, people are dying to just get back in muddy wellies and and be close to people and, and feel the energy of live music. And, um, you know, I think uh, one of my colleagues said, one of their clients said the other day, you know, at the moment they just be happy to stand in a field with a you know a burger and some music oh um, my god that so, sounds amazing <laughs> exactly so I think I think we'll get back to the real professionalism um side of things I think for now where we're looking at smaller events there will be those kind of um you know how we've been talking about micro experiences and that really kind of bespoke immersive experiential kind of events for small, smaller amounts of people and, you know, have those real rich, engaging experiences, um, which I think will be highly creative, very highly professional and finished. Mm. Um, but I do think that at the moment, people will just want to be in a field with music <laughs> <laughs> and having a great experience. So I think, you know, especially from a brand perspective, I think there's an element of just being there, being in, you know, getting out there and doing live in, in any way that suits your audience. Like it has to be real for your audience, right? And it has to be relevant. Um, I wouldn't, you know, advise anyone to just go and do anything. <laughs> yeah, um, 
but I do think that doing anything live will be appreciated um, as long as it's kind of in an empathetic way when it comes to safety and, you know, expense and things like that based on the, the current times. Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, you've, you've touched on something I wanted to dig into there, which is what do live events offer to brands who want to connect with these audiences in a way that no other sort of medium can? I think this is where the whole, you know, experiential comes back into, you know, creating those emotional connections, um, you know, this whole, this whole craving connection that we see as a real trend from the remote working, from, you know, remote life um, and all of those things is really just about creating shared experiences. It's about having moments um, that are exciting and that are for our kind of novelty seeker audiences. You know, people expect things now and they want um, things that are real and relevant to them, but they want to um, talk about it. You know, they want to show it off on across social mediums and and things like that. So I think uh, I don't think we're going to need much influencers over the summer. You know, people at live events will be all over our social feeds and and everything. We will know about it when people start going to these these live events. You know, because you just can't. You know, the, the energy. I think that's one thing that it just you can't take away from live events you know we no. just haven't been able to find that energy when we're looking at virtual and virtual is brilliant for so many different reasons and you know I think for a lot of event managers like myself it's been a brilliant string to our bows to learn and we will take a lot of the learnings from virtual and you know that's where hybrid will work so well because things like data and you know wider audiences and things like that work so brilliantly but the actual energy you get from a live event not just as an attendee but as an event manager yeah um I think for us I've spoken to quite a few of my colleagues about it and at the end of a virtual event you kind of close your laptop and it's just like <laughs> right and you just feel like all the energy has been you know sucked out of you in a great way because you're giving it to this event and you want to put everything into it but when you do events you get that energy back you know and that's yeah. why we're in this industry because we love that energy we're, we're kind of event energy junkies you know we just <laughs> love everything we get back from it and I think that's the same for audiences they they miss that energy yeah definitely I, I suppose in a sort of previous life I was a um just a, a freelance reporter who'd cover everything and I was surprised by the number of events that I'd go to cover which I thought would be really boring that just naturally have that kind of that live event energy you know Absolutely. going to going to agriculture events and you sort of think oh this is <laughs> going to be a lot of people still around the fields talking about tractors and everything and then it's actually fantastic because you do get those people who are so engaged with the live format well, I think that's it. And, and people go to events because they want to. You're not normally forced to go to an event. You know, some some work events you may be, but, you know, there's still an, you still get out of it what, what you want to get out. And it's those passion points. You know, we when we think about events and consumer journey mapping and planning, you know, what that what that journey looks like for our consumers and audiences we think about passion points we think about you know how are they gonna what are they gonna take away from this what how are they gonna feel after this event how, how are we gonna make them come back or mm. how are we gonna talk about how are we gonna make them talk about us in a you know in a great way and you know especially for brands you know um you want them leaving with this great sense of energy and passion um so I think that's something that any event as long as you've got that those passion <laughs> points you you're good to go yeah definitely and obviously, the the past year has been disruptive for many industries. The live events one in particular, mm. um, but the prevailing winds. The you know, every time I talk to people about events going forward, the the key word is always hybrid. This idea that we're going to take the best of what we learned over the past year and apply it to live events. Mm. And I wondered if you could maybe give us a brief explanation of what people actually mean by hybrid events. 
is that just you know having a live event that's live streamed elsewhere or is this much more about a sort of holistic package involving you know social media and live event and then after the fact follow up and all this kind of stuff um well i think hybrid is is hot right now because a hybrid event isn't about replacing physical with virtual or vice versa it's about marrying the two together um, and catering for both the physical and online audiences in an equal weighting now hybrids can hybrid is hybrid itself you know it's completely dependent on the audience you have and and how many how much element of online you need to bring to it um but in the coming months, I think it's crucial to respect people's decisions to attend and travel to events or not. Um, you know, mm. and that will be in the coming months or years. And being able to offer both, you know, virtual and a physical venue as such to attend these events gives your attendees a choice and means, you know, a greater level of attendance. Um, and also from a planner point of view, a certain amount of extra contingency to be flexible, <laughs> which yeah. we, we need to be. You know, flexible is, is one of the biggest things you've had to be and will have to be. Um I don't think people should do hybrid because it's trendy. Um, okay. You know, you need to think about what works for your brief and what works for your audience. Um, it's great to get data. You know, it's great to get an open audience. But actually, if the main point of your event is to, you know, um, sales leads and customer relationships, can you get that through you know, any kind of virtual offering to a physical event? Mm. So actually, does hybrid work there or does it not? Okay, um, I think that's that makes sense. And I suppose... The thing that I've, I mean, there's so much to dig into there. Yeah, uh, it's, but, it's a big one to dig into. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the, the thing that leapt out at me there was this idea that you we shouldn't necessarily do it just because. And I think hybrid can be very different. I mean, Apple do some great examples of hybrid events, um, yeah. which are you know, you know, these big product launches, but they're all main stage. Um, so it, it's very much like a kind of broadcast, and that's what we see with kind of virtual offerings. It's very much like delivering a broadcast <laughs> event. Um, but when you're looking at, um, you know, when you've got an event that's got workshops and it's got networking and, you know, all of these other elements that you have to to different events, you know, does, does that work? Can you mm. deliver the same kind of experience to your audience? And I think you have to look, you know, backwards. Like, would you get the same level of positive feedback from both sets of attendees if you delivered, you know, in a physical venue and online platform? you know, this an event, you know, are you giving the same equal weighting of attention and engagement to both audiences? Mm. And if you can't, then why are you doing it? You know, and I think we really just need to always understand what the audience are going to get out of it. And you'd rather them, to a certain extent, you'd maybe rather 20 people not attend rather than having 20 people having a terrible online experience, <laughs> but 400 yeah. people have had a great experience, you know, um, you know, actually, the physical physical venue as such. So, I suppose then, even though it's effectively it's the same content in terms of you know the the actual event itself, you're mm. talking about treating these audiences as two separate audiences almost. The one who are coming for an online experience versus the one who's there for the live experience. Yeah, I think you have to. Um, you want to give them the same event, but it's going to be delivered in a very different way. When we look at virtual delivery, it is second by second. You know, your call sheet is second by second. Um, but when you look at a physical event, you can, you know, you can delay a speaker by 30 seconds or even 15 minutes if they need a last minute toilet break or if they haven't turned up in yeah. time. You know, you can put some more food on. You can, you know, do a delayed announcement and things. When people are sitting on a screen waiting for that <laughs> to happen for 15 minutes, you've lost them. You know, they've oh, gone. Yeah, They're not interested. Um, but then there's other things you bring into it. You know, is there a... 
a hub that they can go into for networking? And is there, you know, are there other elements that they can get from it? You know, uh, we do media launches, other press releases they can go into and find in that in that time. You know, so how are you then going to keep that in audience engaged all the time? And I think whilst we, you know, look at them separately you're still looking at them to deliver the same you want them to get the same out of it and that's why yeah, i think you know you've got to get that positive feedback from both sets of attendees um put yourself in the audience's shoes i think you know what what would you need from an online event and what would you need from a from a physical event and you've got to be able to deliver both these things yeah definitely is it fair to say then that although the past year has accelerated the the drive towards hybrid events that it was something that was ongoing you know ahead of the pandemic as well I think so. I think hybrid events have always really existed in a sense. Um, mm. I do personally think that they will bridge the gap between what we've now done as virtual for nearly a year yeah. um, going back to physical. I mean, if um, if hybrid and you know virtual were the right answer for events in the past, then we'd have done them. You know, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, you know, and and the physical events are physical events for a reason. I think you know hybrid do a great job at being able to um, open up travel boundaries. Um, mm. You know, they they a great job at cost saving to a certain extent. You know, cost saving in terms of hotels, international travel, but you know they they tend to cost a lot more money because it's double the amount of time you've got you know, double the amount of production and tech and, and things like that involved in it. So um, I think hybrid events will, um, you know, they, they have been around to a certain extent, but they will they will transform into more hybrid events, if you know what I mean, like depending yeah, on what the audience need um, and want out of the event. Yeah, absolutely. So how is that changing how Verve is thinking about the market, its own place within the market and sort of where you think the live event space is going to go? Um, so in terms of, um, kind of hybrid, I mean, we, the first thing we did, um, last year, um, was we, you know, invested in LED screens, we invested in green screens, um, we got a lot closer to our production partners, um, a lot, lot closer, um, to be able to really work with them to strategize and plan how to deliver these, you know, virtual events. And that will now take us into hybrid. Mm -hmm. I think we... Okay have to really think about those relationships with our kind of suppliers and partners and how we work very closely with them to be able to work as a total team really along with our you know our brand teams and clients to really understand like I say what what the audience is after and how we can deliver on that. Next up Mike White the CEO of Lively Worldwide takes us through what he's seen over the course of the pandemic in terms of how people and artists have been transitioning to thinking about hybrid events. He takes us through a couple of case studies and highlights three artists who he thinks have been really doing it well and also explains why he thinks that content is going to be the future of hybrid events. Sure. Uh, well, I'm Mike White and I'm the CEO of Lively Worldwide. Uh, my background, uh, basically I started in marketing uh, a long time ago, 30 years ago, so I'm a marketeer at heart. Uh, but I chose uh, events as my kind of speciality focus uh, very quickly. I got into the music festival industry and I started creating brand experiences within uh, music festivals all over Europe. Uh, however, the the reason I've kind of ended up to uh, running and creating Lively as an agency is 
even though I chose events as a career, I had an identity crisis straight away because I saw that there was a challenge in how you could uh, measure the impact of a physical Mm. event. And I've always seen events as content creators. So even though I used to build physical brand experiences, for years, I've always tried to make them content creators. And that's basically what Lively is now, is Lively uh, uh, sees the sweet spot between physical and digital experiences and really sees how they can create quite very engaging and very future-focused campaigns for brands. Very nice. Well, we can get into what the future of that kind of dual live and digital event strategy will look like. But for now, I just wondered how much of that recognition that there is a bit of a challenge in measuring the effectiveness of live events how how widespread is that recognition or is it something that we all just sort of take for granted and say well this is just a consequence of of these events being live effectively uh no it's god look it's been a it's been a key subject matter for the marketing and event industry for well the three decades i've been in it <laughs> yeah. um and and you know uh, from uh, being a business owner it's it's a key challenge for me because over the years, I, I always end up being uh, reviewed by a, a finance director or a procurement department that looks at the value of investments that go into live events. And and also, you know, it gets a lot of, I'd say, criticism or judgment from the media industry as well, because the advertising industry is very easy to measure. Um, you know, you've got these incredible uh, media detail that that we don't have in the event industry. Mm. Um, and, you know, for some reason, everybody still loves to choose the, the lovely opportunities to see within the PR industry as well. So, no, it, it's been it's been a continually ongoing challenge. Uh, my point is, though, that if you just turn left slightly and look at events as content creators, your ROI just changes immediately. Mm. Okay, well, that absolutely makes sense. And then over over those kind of decades then, what have been some of the persistent ongoing trends that we've noticed? Has there been this push towards more interactive events? Has there been a push towards actually bringing that digital space into the live event space? What's been some of those ongoing trends? Yeah, well, the kind of the key one is is the one I kind of feel like we're coming out of, which is we've been sat in what's been known as the experience economy for the last decade, mm. and you know, yes, there's there's been a there's a, an incredible focus on events and the power. You know, just look at the music industry. You know, they they had to totally readjust their their revenue streams when when digital impacted uh, label sales and CD sales, and it all went you know digital. The the only way way artists make real money is by going out and doing live gigs again so it affected that industry but what for me has really been exciting is the kind of the technological revolution that's been happening behind the digital revolution not to get right, too complicated go, yeah. about it I was going to say yeah is it, that because we, we concentrate on the effect a lot as well rather than and sort of how that manifests but not about what actually underpins it yeah, and 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 this is the thing. I, I kind of you know we we do call ourselves a technology company uh, in part of our kind of sales pitch because the the challenge is there's there's tons of opportunities out there and, and things have been done over the years. You know, Madonna did uh, the first live stream back in the year two thousand out of the Brixton Academy, mm. um, and in her defence, you know, two million people watched that. But but the technology was so clunky and expensive. <laughs> yeah, um, it was something that was seen as a PR 
PR stunt, not a not a revenue generator or a or a results generator. Um, but now, you know, the the impact of you know, just take my live streaming. I've been I've been live streaming for uh, fifteen years now, and mm-hmm. you know, when I used to live stream at V Festival, it would take three OB trucks, you know, a crew of twenty five, at least a six figure number, and and one of the main things that my technical crew would try and get me to do is remove half of my audience so they could get all the kit in um now you know and and the reason i've got my business partner is we you know all of that has been digitalized and you know i was then live streaming from v festival with um half an ob truck and three flight cases and a uh, a bunch of a team that could blend into the crowd because they had gopros and dslrs so that that's kind of the immediate impact it's had. And then you look at kind of how technology has saved us during COVID. Um, it's ironic, you know, events were there to connect people in a human way. However, technology's come around and helped us stay connected in a human way because we've got, you know, the internet, uh, better bandwidth and, and as much as people slag it off, Zoom and, com- and platforms like Cast. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly, yeah. I mean, I was going to say that just the ease of use means that, you know, I've seen some incredible live streams that seem very lo-fi in execution. But then I've also seen things like Gorillaz did a series of three live, they did three live worldwide, you know, digital concerts over the course of lockdown. And they were amazing. They were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm to be honest with you those are my three quotes kind of the gorillas um Dua Lipa and um and and also some of the stuff that Justin Bieber's been doing and a couple of the music festivals is you know and gorillas uh, yeah I'm a big fan they they nailed it they they reached you know a million live viewers in 150 different countries and the the way they balanced you know Damon Albarn made it a very human experience because he interacted with the camera. He made you feel like he was singing to you. It wasn't just a performance. And then, you know, and then they introduced, you know, the, a fantastic, their creative director, um, who, uh, Jamie, who allows the use of obviously cartoon characters, but also holograms yeah. to bring in new artists. It was, it was phenomenal. And that content's been, and that's my point, that was an event Fair enough. It wasn't able to have a live audience, but it was an event uh, in the, uh, I think it was the Paperworks in London that was live streamed to a global audience. It managed to sell tickets and that event is still in in existence and they are still leveraging that content. Um, You know, six years, well, sorry, a year ago, they would have just done a a tour and only reached half that audience. (laughs) Is there something to be said then for, just before we get into sort of... um, slightly more in depth is there something still to be said for that kind of forced scarcity that does come with things like those tours where there is you know a a sort of cachet in being one of those few people who actually gets to experience things yes 100 percent, and that's my whole definition of hybrid is i i am an absolute believer and fan of a physical experience Mm. and they will never go away and they will continue to be rich and and get richer in that individual experience you get if you get one of those tickets but with the world of the fear of missing out and the world of connectivity if I can't make that concert and have the human emotion of being there I still would love to be able to see it and see it in a way that is um is as engaging as possible as the physical thing 
Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. And I suppose, actually, what you were talking there about kind of the, the level of, or rather the barrier for entry in actually being able to do that stuff professionally in terms of the amount of kit means that we're going to see so much more of that just because that kind of that barrier of entry has lowered somewhat. 100%. Uh, again, another great artist reference is Chance the Rapper. Uh, Chance the Rapper, I'm a big fan of his just from a business point of view now because he he's quoted as saying, you know, when COVID hit, you know, he, he solely believed in performing live mm. and never wanted to go virtual. The work that he's now done creatively to go virtual, he said he's never going back. And and if you look at you know his latest content, he's done half it's half movie, half live performance, half live stream. Mm. And and that's the thing that's getting me excited is, you know, I feel like we've been in the dark ages, uh I keep saying decades, but in the in the last <laughs> ten years, because you know, what is you know, where can creativity go now? And oh my god, the, the world's just opened up to us with with the ability to leverage technology around creativity. It's it's fantastic and I think it will also increase the value of it as well. And do you think then that this is something that you know, almost the, the last year has been a blessing in disguise because we have seen so many people pick up on the idea that you can do these amazing events. You can do them digitally and sort of distribute them digitally rather in a way that really does, you know, democratize it almost. Yeah, look, I the, the the last year has been horrible on on so many levels, and and I'm certainly not ignoring that or or condoning that. You know, people no, have lost I, their jobs and, and yeah, stuff I realised like I sounded like I was like no, I know, I yes, just wanted to yes, I just want to put it into context. Um, yeah. be, but because I, well, in in your defence, I, I felt quite you know, almost guilty in the message I've tried to deliver over the last year, which is I've tried to be a voice in the industry to say, you know, the world hasn't ended, it's just changed. Mm. And to be honest with you, we've all been in, especially from a marketing and entertainment point of view, we've been in kind of a comfort zone. You know, the music industry refound their revenues by, by touring, the fans got excited by going to music festivals. Um, but you know, to maintain that and to keep people interested and keep keep people connected, there's a, been a whole world of technology just sat there that's been this kind of big grey cloud that nobody's wanted to go near and risk. Mm. And and the the kind of the positive side of what's happened to the industry is the, the world suddenly allowed us to start taking risks again. Um, which is great you know we were allowed to sit in our you know unshaven business meetings with our <laughs> cats on the table and you know uh, who was it um uh oh god why can't i remember his name uh chris from coldplay you know i don't know if you saw oh chris martin chris martin when he did his piano sing-along you know the, it was one of the very first live streams and he totally messed it up and um but i loved that because it showed the human side of an artist and yeah that made that was the interesting thing that suddenly made a, a home broadcast more human than a live performance because he wasn't performing anymore he was just being him so um so no i just i i think it's opened up a world of opportunity yes there's plenty of conspiracy theories out there about what it could do but but if you just look at it from marketing and events i mm. i think we're entering in a very exciting phase we call ourselves an experience agency not an mm. event agency because the experience is what it's all about and that experience can either can be to your face or it can be through a screen and if it's done correctly, 
Um, and that's what's really exciting about the B2B sector is I worked in consumer all my life and I loved it. I was brought up in, uh, in festivals. Um, but taking that experience into the B2B sector has been as exciting as doing a music festival, which a lot of people would probably laugh when they hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that it doesn't sort of conjure up that glamour. You know, this idea that you can be you know, backstage with all these celebs and everything. But well, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Exciting, if you take, fair enough. If you take, you know, <laughs> like I'm not meeting Travis Scott anymore, but um, but no, we well, can just I, meet but, him in Fortnite. But the uh, yeah, but the uh, but the thing for me is I. I as a marketeer and an event person, I get excited out of helping my audiences have an experience mm. and and seeing the impact we're having in the business sector and making business events that were always accused of being boring. And, you know, I went <laughs> yeah. to a conference two years to check it out for a client and he said, come and come and critique my my uh, my business event. And it was I couldn't I couldn't have staged it better. The uh, the main speaker came on, the lights went down, and I looked to my side, and the guy next to me was fast asleep. <laughs> and so I just took a picture of him, and that's yeah. all I sent my client was that's oh, my so feedback yeah, on your perfect. event. Perfect, <laughs> absolutely perfect. Yeah, like what a perfect case study for what you should be like, why you should change. Exactly. So, and the funny thing is, the first thing I did with his event was I just turned the lights on over the audience <laughs> <laughs> and made the audience feel more engaged with the speaker and the stage, just like yeah. TED talks do. Simple, simple executions. Very nice. You touched on something before, actually, when you were talking about events as content creation and sort of this idea that you that they can have longevity beyond sort of the, the event itself. I wondered then what new opportunities are there for brands and advertisers to really get involved in that sort of that content creation side of the events? Uh, oh God, well, let's see, this is a funny conversation and I'll try and keep it short because I'll probably <laughs> go on about an hour with it. But the, the thing that has always surprised me is... You know, what, what is an event? You know, an event is a, a group of people, you know, getting together and having an experience. And, and the thing for me is, um, I, well, I'll tell you a really old story. I, I, I work for a very big brand. I, I was working on their, it won't take much to figure this out, but I was doing their <laughs> festival activations and I went to the marketing director and said, right, I'm doing your biggest sponsorship. Um, let me know what your ad campaign is. This is 20 years ago. Mm. And he was basically like, you don't need to know our ad campaign, just do a great event. And I was like, but your event should be lined up with your ad campaign. And he was like, just do work your magic. So I was like, okay. So we came up with this proposition um, and it really fitted the brand. We designed the experience. And um, uh, just as we'd built all of our set, the ad campaign for that brand went out and it was almost an identical set to what I had built. And, right, and okay. that sums me up is it's like, you know, I can turn an event into an ad. You know, we did mm. it with Twitter. Um, you know, we did, a, we did a corporate lunch at Can Lion um, with 100 uh, uh, women in marketing. And we worked with Twitter and we shot them and uh, photographed them and Got filmed it. them. Yeah. And we edited it with, the, uh, with a poet who was performing at the event. The creative team at Twitter took it on board and called it She Inspires Me. And they took that content from that business event and they launched it during the Oscars as an ad. Mm. So, so th there's your benefits for you is if, if we start, that's what COVID has done. COVID has brought people together again. Digital teams have had to start talking to content teams. Con sorry, uh, event teams. Event mm. people have started to have to think in the world of digital. 
And that's that's the opportunity. We're going to, you know, we don't have to be so isolated. And, and if it's done properly, we can start creating, you know, far more exciting content and and actually leverage budgets better. So, so yeah, it's just it, it's just thinking about what capturing something really means. We're, we're doing it for a brand right now. They're, they're, they've got a they've invested in a massive um, uh, business center and it's been shut. And so all we're doing now is we're using that as our set and we're shooting speakers and demos and stuff like that. And all I've said to the client is, you know, look at how successful this is being. How great will it be when you can open the doors and have a live audience there as well? If you'd like to get in contact with either Sophie or Mike about anything they've said over the course of this episode, then their contact details can be found in the description of this podcast. Until next week, when we'll be back with another fantastic look at everything that's going on with hybrid and live events, please do stay safe and remember to go to thedrum.com to check out more expertise from our Drum Network members. Thanks for listening.